Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at DareResponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. Hello. Did I kick you off? I did, but I kicked you out first. Oh my gosh, why does this happen? I I always wait a minute or so. In the I whole- did too. <laughs> Hi, Hi, thank you so much. That worked beautifully. Hi, Jackie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to see you all. I've missed your faces. I know. I haven't seen you in a while. (laughs) You too. So good you're here. Um, I know that this must be scary for you, Jackie, to just pop on this, not knowing what to expect. But it's basically (laughs) just the three of us and we have a lot of people who are in the chat. Can you see the chat? Jackie, so if you open, you should oh, have the button. Here we are. Got it. And now let's see who is with us today. Hello, everybody. Hi. You can see that, Jackie? Yep. Awesome. Got it. We have questions that people have submitted a few days ago, and there will be questions coming in from the chat. So, Michelle, I had a little bit of trouble with the questions because I only have the questions from our latest webinar. Oh, yeah, I have them here. I have them on here. I have them on my phone here. Are they, is it the same form response? No, they were, yeah, and it was added underneath. So, oh, okay, then yeah. I have them. <laughs> Everything under Dr. Gupta, Dr. Gupta, Dr. Gupta, and then okay. I have a whole bunch of other ones. <laughs> okay, great, great. And so, so hi Jack- to everybody else that's on there on chat. Hello. Um, as you see, we have a, um, a DARE alumni with us today. Um, her name is Jackie, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, I, um, I'm, I'm Jackie. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I have been a part of DARE. I was looking back today through my records because I wanted to get this right. I think I joined DARE in April of 2020. Um, and so think about where we were globally when the world <laughs> shut down. And um, that was not when my anxiety started, but that is when I found D.A.R.E. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, my anxiety journey probably started when I was maybe 10 or so. That's kind of my earliest I can remember with with panic attacks. And so it took me uh, 20 years to find anxiety and I mean, to find D.A.R.E. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. You didn't have to look for anxiety, right? Right. I didn't have to look for anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) And you have totally missed to tell us one very, very interesting aspect about yourself, Jackie. What do you do for a living? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I am a a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor. And um, yeah, that has added an interesting dimension to my life and my journey with anxiety and my time in dare I've kind of dubbed myself as the unofficial dare chaplain (laughs) actually you're the official dare chaplain (laughs) I think that's so interesting and cool you guys because I'm sure that we have a few people on the chat today who maybe experience a little bit of confusion around religion and spirituality maybe existential anxiety, um, sometimes intrusive thoughts around, you know, blasphemia and doubts about your religious orientation. And I think Jackie is just the perfect person to help you with getting some clarity and some guidance on that. So if you have any questions around anxiety and religion, spirituality, please uh, post them in the chat. Yeah, there's not many that that were submitted in, but if you want to post them in the chat, we can go through, you know, back and forth on both of them and answer as many as we can. Um, I also get a number of people who send me private messages, maybe from our Dare Advance group, who are constantly asking good questions, questions that I'm familiar with about uh, about anxiety and spirituality and the way that they intersect. So, mm-hmm. so maybe it might be easier for you to just like, what are the most all the common ones that you get. Um, but if, if you want to also give us a little background about your anxiety, what it looked like, you know, you don't have to come on and just talk about spirituality too, although we're very happy about it. Um, but also like your own personal experience, what you were dealing with, where you were, um, how like you managed to implement dare, where you got stuck, what's helpful, what's not helpful. And, you know, and if, whatever you'd like to share about your background too. Sure. I'm happy to do that. Um, so 
my anxiety journey has, um, it's been long, like I said, 20 years, uh, probably. And it has manifested in different ways at different times and seasons throughout my life. Um, but the thing that really led me to find dare, you know, through a late night Googling session (laughs) was I had been in a a real rut with anxiety for several months. Um, and this was even pre pandemic. And so when the pandemic hit, it just sort of amplified that I had been in a real rut with anxiety as related to my body and physical sensations. Um, I had some medical trauma as a child, uh, where I fought a pretty scary illness for three years. And so, you know, I think anxiety can happen for a number of reasons and it doesn't really help us to speculate why, but you know, that is a part of my story that I had had medical challenges as a child. And so um, a couple of years ago when I was really in this deep season, I started to develop a very deep distrust of my body and every little sensation that fell out of the norm triggered some sort of terrifying scenario in my head about what was wrong with me. And, um, and so let me just like describe what that looked like. Um, I, it would start with me saying, oh no, what is happening in my, my hands are tingling. What is that about? Maybe I'm not getting enough air or circulation. Am I breathing okay? And then, you know, you start hyper fixating on your breath. Am I, can I get enough breathing? You know, I went to the doctor and had an asthma test. I don't have asthma, but Um, I thought I wasn't getting enough air. And then it started with dizziness. It's not, it's more like lightheaded, foggy Mm -hmm. pressure, um, sort of a disconnected feeling, maybe off balance. Um, And that was the, the sensation that really sent the spiral down and led me on a Uh, months of going to every doctor imaginable, trying to figure out like what was happening. And then my stomach got in on the party and started to send me all sorts of like really distressing stomach sensations and problems. And I was afraid to leave my house because what if it happens when I'm out somewhere? And, um, and so, you know, these are really common anxiety symptoms, but I didn't know that because I had never met anybody that had all of those same physical sensations. Um, I was talking to a dare buddy this morning and we were talking about how our arms feel heavy and our legs feel heavy and, and we didn't work out. Why are they sore? What, Mm -hmm. what is wrong? Why does our head feel weird? You know, and um, it's just amazing what anxiety can do in the body. And then when we get sensitized to that and we start to hyper fixate on it, the spiral just happens and happens. And so I wore heart monitors. I went to every specialist imaginable. I drove hours away to try to figure this thing out. Um, And I was just uh, completely agoraphobic at this point. I had like stopped, well, the pandemic started and then it was really easy to not leave my house, Mm -hmm. right? And so I was afraid to drive anywhere. I was afraid to, go to the grocery store or I would stand in line and think I was going to die. Um, And so it was really bad. You know, sometimes I forget how bad it was because I've come so far, but it was really scary. Um, And so it was a late night Googling session, (laughs) like how to, how to get rid of anxiety, which of (laughs) course is not the right question to be asking, but that was the question. And it led me to dare. And I bought the book and I got, got it on Kindle and I read it that, that night, the whole book. (laughs) in one night. Um, And that's when I started to feel things like, like I started to understand that there was a different approach to my anxiety that could help me move through it and with it instead of resisting it. Mm -hmm. And that posture of uh, dropping the resistance. And I, I just sort of visualize it in my brain is like getting rid of, don't do this, but do this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even if I didn't have the right words, Uh, I didn't know how to say the right D-A-R-E steps. I would just think of this posture and that would sort of get my body oriented. Um, And yeah, so I started implementing DARE and within a couple of months, I was going to grocery stores and going to restaurants, um, getting to take out food. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I just started to build it little by little and every time I practice dare and, and, and exposure in the right way, mm-hmm. um, my confidence grew 
and I came to every dare call. <laughs> I uh, listened to every daily dare. I, I, you know, I just really submersed myself into this process and said, I'm going to believe all these people, even though I'm like having trouble believing it could work for me as bad as I am. I'm just going to trust and believe that all these people I'm listening to uh, have have learned something and that I can trust them. And I'm just going to practice believing them. And um, slowly I began to believe it myself. And now it feels really great to be on the other <laughs> side uh, because I used to listen to people like me telling me it was possible. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey and I'm super thankful. Did you, do you ever think when you first started, like when you heard the other people, like, yeah, they got like anxiety, but like, I've got the real deal and there's no way, or they paid those people or there's like, they maybe had level one anxiety and I've got level 15 anxiety, or I have a real health condition. Like right. my anxiety is different because it's paired to a real health concern. And maybe I still have some health things I'm dealing with now. And so will dare work for me? Like, did that come up for you too? Cause and everybody's hanging on your every word, by the way, in the chat, because like, yeah. talking about physical sensations and bodies and stuff, like it's a big thing. Yeah. It's a big piece. So I, I see this chat's going fast and I can't even read them all. So I'm catching up at, but I wanted to mention, ask that question too. Do you feel yeah, that? I felt like I had the worst anxiety in the history of anxiety. No <laughs> one's was as complicated as mine. No one else had, like, it was rooted in something real, you know, like yeah. what happened to me 15, 20 years ago. Right. Like, and I thought, Okay, I hear these people talk about panic attacks, but no one knows how bad mine are. Mm -hmm. No one knows. And um, and then when I started to like come on the Dare Advance calls and listen to other people like who would type about their experiences on our page, I started to realize like I'm not special. <laughs> like, like this is just how anxiety manifests for a lot of people. And it just normalized it and helped me to not like make it some boogeyman but to be like mm -hmm. oh when I when I met someone else who had dealt with dizziness and anxiety that was like such a turning point for me to go oh my gosh it's not just me like someone else gets it because that was my one symptom and what I found is like everybody sort of has that one thing yeah. go to that, yeah yes yes absolutely that one yeah. thought or that one sensation or that one thing and dizziness was mine for so long. Yeah. And even if it's other things, it's hooked to the original. Like I was dizzy was maybe like my number two or three, but only because it was hooked to my number one. Like, Oh, I'm lightheaded. I feel so dizzy. Well, what if I feel so dizzy and it makes me nauseous and sick to my stomach better get rid of dizzy to not feel nauseous, to not get sick, to not get trapped here. And so it's sometimes like <laughs> we have secondary ones, but it all, we just have our personal preference of whatever we're fighting the absolute most. And the funniest thing is I, I never feared dizziness. I couldn't care less about dizziness or nausea, but my thing was all things mental. What if I lose my mind? Oh, this is personalization. And every time anxiety would come up, that would be the first thing it would latch onto you, right? Or warn me about. So you see guys in the chat? So interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Because, because I would get that detached, disconnected. I don't feel here sucked into a vortex sort of feeling too. And I'm like, mm, who cares? I might throw up, but who, I never cared about that until suddenly I cared about it. And now I just cared about it because scared showed up when that showed up and that became the focus, mm -hmm. you know, it was never the problem, but it became the focus, which then sent the message as this is the problem. Yeah. So you see you guys, although we are all talking about the same thing, right? We, my anxiety manifests the same way, but in different forms if that makes sense mm -hmm. so i'm sure that we have a lot of people here who can relate to jackie and to michelle and to me but the approach you guys to all of this is the same although this seems so very different but the approach and we all use the same approach to get to to where we are yeah. and, and jackie, jackie what am i oh sorry go ahead sorry. jackie may i ask did you try or how many other things did you try before dare to to get rid of your anxiety. And more importantly, because you mentioned you had past traumas and I'm sure many people can relate to that. And isn't it so natural to think, oh, this anxiety stems from my trauma. So let's go and fix or heal or overcome my trauma, come to terms with it. Because if I do that, then the anxiety would take care of, of itself. Did you have that, yeah. that 
way of thinking. Yeah. So let me tell you the number of things that I tried. <laughs> well, first of all, I got a psychology degree because I thought that I could educate myself out of my anxiety situation. The challenge is no one ever taught me <laughs> this. No one ever I know. taught me. Me neither in school. Right, right. So I got a psychology degree and that was, um, so that was, you know, when I was 18 to 22. During that time, I also began really intensive therapy for trauma and anxiety. And let me say also, I have found my trauma therapy helpful in helping me develop as a person and mm -hmm. heal, but it did not cure my anxiety. <laughs> it did not help me recover from my anxiety. And um, that's not what I learned in school. I learned that you get to the root cause, right? Well, I have processed my trauma in therapy for 10 years. I still see a therapist every week. I still, I love therapists. I think it's great, very enriching in my life, but it did not help me function in my day-to-day -day life and, and navigate life with anxiety. Um, it might have provided a little more context, which is good. Self-awareness, I agree with, like it's a good thing, but at the end of the day, it did not provide me with the tools to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to keep doing my therapy. I'm going to keep working on, you know, healing trauma and helping me like be a more holistic, healthy person in my life. But with anxiety, I, I have come to believe that there is, there is one approach <laughs> and it is this posture of allowance and acceptance, a willingness to feel uncomfortable and to show our bodies that we are safe, show our minds and our bodies that we are safe. And that's what D.A.R.E. teaches us. Um, other things I tried, every Jackie, Yeah, interrupt you just one second. Mm -hmm. I would just like to, to, to add something to what you said. Um, uh, the therapy really did help me in, in other areas of my life, but it, not, it did not help with anxiety. And why is that? And somebody posted, yes, I'm a therapist. And it's a funny thing because all therapists will say the same, right? Oh, I didn't know about this. Oh, uh-huh. All oh, right. There is something different to this. And why? Because the maintaining factors of anxiety about anxiety are different. Of course, you can have let's say, live in a toxic or abusive relationship, and that will increase your sensitization and your overall stress and activity in the amygdala, blah, blah, blah. And as a result of that, you might experience panic attacks. So yes, in such specific situations, sometimes if you just take away the toxic environment, the panic attacks take care of itself. But what happens to a person that is in a toxic relationship experiences panic attacks, and then starts to fear panic attacks. Even if they get out of that situation, they will still experience panic attacks. Why? Because we have created like a little new universe that is self-perpetuating. And this is so important about anxiety treatment that you look at, oh my God, is this a result of, of my lifestyle or of an illness? Or is it because I am fearing my own body and mind? Right. I, ho I hope that makes sense. So try and look at it where you stand at the moment and just to say even if you are, you fall into that first category where you know okay my anxiety and my stress is due to real life circumstances there will still help you in that situation right but there might not be the only thing that you need in such a, such a situation but if it's anxiety about anxiety it is absolutely what you need i hope that that made sense yeah that that makes a lot of sense um the other things I've tried are every SSRI on the market. Over the course of 10 years, I think I've taken every anxiety medication available. Um, I know a lot of people in our group also talk about those like fast acting, like in the moment mm -hmm. pills. Um, I've taken those too um, at different seasons in my life. And, you know, I, again, I know in DARE, we don't talk a lot about medication because we encourage people to like talk to their doctors. But for me, I could numb and try to desensitize myself through medication, but I was never getting into the resistance situation that I was having in my own mind and body. And so I was just going to continue to need more and more mm -hmm. numbing <laughs> to function until I finally said, okay, I have to look, I have to <laughs> approach this differently because this isn't sustainable for the rest of my life. And I don't want 
you know, to struggle with addiction or side effects or, you know, some of the things that, that people deal with. And so, you know, I had a lot of highs and lows trying to get off of those medications and, and readjust. And, you know, sometimes it was uncomfortable, but it's like, once I found dare and realized that there was another way to approach my anxiety and that I could begin to work on the things that I was saying and doing Mm -hmm. during my Mm -hmm. anxiety situations. So I didn't have to run to one of those fast acting pills. I started to feel confidence. Like I don't need that. You know, I did carry it in my purse for about two years, just in case, but, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, for me, finding another way was absolutely essential because I had seen that be become the all those other tactics become so un, unhealthy for people. You know, I tried all the grounding techniques. I had like, um, I don't know, the, my therapist would try to teach me all these different things to do in the moment, but all of them were still to get rid of the anxiety right. and get through the, the anxiety goal. or yeah. get through it until it passes, which just yeah. reinforces danger. Must do something to survive through. So there's a lot of great techniques out there that teach you how to let go of. But when you're using those techniques to get through it or to fight through it, then you're always touching something, tapping something, grounding something, but for the sake of elimination, not for the sake of allowance. Yeah. Can, can I respond to a question I saw in the chat? Yeah, this is great. I, so, so easy with you on the call. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so somebody was asking like, how do you, okay, so let's say, I know health anxiety is big for a lot of people. And a lot of us do not have perfect health. Like there's something going on with that, whatever it is. Okay. Usually all of us have something that our bodies do that's different or weird, or we need medication for it or whatever. So I don't know anybody who is in perfect health. right? Um, And so the question is like, well, how do you handle determining like what's anxiety and what's not anxiety? Like what, okay. So dare tells you go to your doctor, get a, get a checkup, right? Like let's figure out if there are some underlying things. And I've done that. And, and I had something that was a little bit off, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to give an example of vitamin D. Okay. My vitamin D level was low. And so when I started to feel this lightheaded woozy feeling, is it vitamin D or is it anxiety? okay, well, I've already gone to the doctor. I'm taking my vitamin D pills. I'm doing all I can there. The approach then is the same. Oh, well, right. Mm -hmm. Like this is what's happening right now. I don't have to like the way, way I feel, but this is, this is how it is in the moment. And I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to tell the story about it. It's just what my body's doing right now and releasing the why I mean, you've already gone to a doctor, you've, you've gotten things checked out, you know, your vitamin D is low or whatever, you know, but releasing the need to tell the story is, is key because I I don't know why my body feels this way right now. I don't need to know what I need to do is to practice allowing and accepting it to be this way. And that requires something that requires something guys. And that is to let go of control, right? I can only do that if I say willingly, I let go of control, but most people who go through anxiety and we've all been there, you guys, right? It's, but I can't let go. I must introspect myself. I must notice any changes because if I don't, then, oh my God, what will happen then? That's why people are so stuck in their heads, scanning their body day, day in, day out, right? But what Jackie said that, I don't know why my body's doing that and allowing the body to do its thing, trusting that it has been taking care of yourself all your life, that is the hard part, but it's the right thing to do and the important thing to do. Another thing that you said, Jackie, which I find so important, like it's, it's the most important point of this call, maybe the why and anybody, uh, everybody who can relate to that, please uh, respond to it in the chat or wave or, or something. If you leave a why unanswered, your mind is going to start to ruminate. Why do I feel this? Where does this dizziness come from? Why does my heart beat in this fashion today? Why is this? Oh my God, why do I feel this morning anxiety? I had such a good uh, night's rest. What is happening? Why, why, why? Why, if you leave why unanswered, you are doomed. That's why it's so important to answer to it, but not in the way you may think by trying to figure it out, but, but by saying, well, because I have anxiety or 
This is because there are so many stress hormones in my body circulating. That is the why. It is nothing more than that. It's not as Jackie said, the big boogeyman or um, an anxiety monster that is out there to get you. And that's why diffusing your why with an, oh yeah, this is just anxiety. This is just nervous and just nervous sensitization is very, very important. If you don't do that, the, oh my God, but it could be this or this or this, and your mind will, will draw all kinds of conclusions. And some of them might, might seem really reasonable. Like, oh yeah, it is true. I have not eaten, uh, eaten a lot today. Maybe it's my blood sugar. So let me go and test my blood sugar. Wait, let oh me gosh, that. you know that about me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about that whole thing where I checked my blood sugar and my blood pressure like 10 times a day a piece for yeah. six months. Who does that too? Who does that too? Just check and checking and checking and checking because really why knowing the answer to the why never made you feel better. It's because, oh, why am I so sad? Oh yeah. I just watched that sad movie. I was thinking something sad. Oh yeah. That makes sense. And then you go, oh, okay. Now that I know why. So you don't feel better because you found out why you felt better because, well, I found out why. And then that gave me permission to let go. And so the answer to your why, if you don't know the answer to your why, Honestly, your answer is, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. That usually what kicks off our question. I don't know why I feel so sad. And then we stay involved there. That's supposed to be that period. And oh, I'm sad. I'm just sad. And then I still get to leave it alone and just be sad. We get stuck when I don't know the answer to something. So I keep myself stuck in a perpetual cycle of finding an unanswerable answer right now to, I don't know, is it my vitamin? Is it my vagus nerve? Is it my, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Am I hungry? Am I too full? I don't know. I feel blank right now. This is how everybody's going to start treating their thoughts, their feelings, and their physical sensations. Okay. Not danger. We're going to treat danger the total opposite. It's not, oh, I noticed I'm on fire right now. Mm -hmm. Not that. That takes the opposite approach. It's Oh, I noticed I feel lightheaded right now. Yup. And carry on. That's the approach. That's dare. We don't have to count the steps and do the D and then the R and then the EA. And the, it's a mindset. And if you're trying really hard to accept and allow, that's where we're kind of stuck. And Jackie, you always use this great term. What's, what's the term? I love it. Try, try softer, try softer. Mm-hmm. try softer rather than try harder. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to read more. I'm going to follow a million anxiety forums. I'm going to watch this guy. I'm going to watch this woman. You're trying harder, which works good for actionable things. This is try softer. And so I steal that from you all the time. And if anybody's heard me say that, this is who I got it from. These real life people. <laughs> Always think of maintaining factors, guys. Why am I feeling this way? Why is this anxiety back? Why do I have a panic attack? Oh, I'm saying why? Not that way. Sorry, let me clarify. But damn it. <laughs> now I can't. <laughs> and I completely lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Mm. Oh, maintaining factors. You guys, mm-hmm. maintaining factors. And if you find yourself being really rigid and tense and wanting to do something, no matter what it is, even something seemingly soft as meditation or going for a walk or whatever you do, if you feel like I'm doing these things to change how I feel, mm-hmm. if that is your aim, then you are fighting. And imagine you, you're, you're trying softer, as Jackie says so beautifully. How would your posture be if you do something soft? It's more laid back thing, attitude. And not a, okay, let me do this. I'm trying. Just calm down. <laughs> calm down, calm down, calm down, breathe, 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 right? Just notice how your body feels and how your attitude is when you do something. You can meditate despite anxiety, not because of anxiety. You can go alongside anxiety, have a workout despite feeling like that word, Aida. Let's use that word a lot. Alongside right here's anxiety and i can continue to meditate alongside anxiety next to anxiety i can take a walk with anxiety because remember the goal is not elimination it's unimportance 
It's a relationship problem, not a presence problem. You have a relationship problem with anxiety. Okay. Because if, if happy showed up, I like happy. We get along. We're like best friends. I like when happy shows up. Oh, anxiety showed up. So like, you don't mend a relationship problem by not having the person be around for three weeks. Oh, we get along great right now because anxiety didn't show up until anxiety shows up. And then if you haven't mended your relationship with certain feelings, every time they show up and you go into fight mode, you're treating that feeling as a threat. And it's learning how to get better with the presence of whatever. And the chats are blowing up. All of these questions too, they're all so similar. What about my stomach? What about dizzy? What about feeling disconnected? How am I treating the thing that's present? Because it's not being free of something. It's being free of it. It's getting unhooked from it. Not being free of it. It's being free from it. And that means you're released from the fight of it. That's where the... um the visualization tool of like an anxiety monster is really helpful. And can I share mine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I needed to make my anxiety monster a little bit dumb because, you know, like it's, I'm wiser than my anxiety, right? So a little (laughs) bit dumb, but, but still lovable, you know, like a bless your heart kind of character. Like I needed (laughs) something that I could invite to come along with me because I don't want to be resisting it, but also be like, you're so silly. Right. So (laughs) I picked um, the chicken from the movie Moana, Hey Hey, that little chicken where its eyes are always like this, you know, and it's always like, um, so yeah, Hey Hey from Moana is my anxiety monster. Um, And I love that dumb chicken. I love that dumb chicken. I love that dumb chicken. That's my new t-shirt. I love that dumb chicken. (laughs) So, So, you know, instead of being like, oh God, there's Hey Hey, right? I'd be like, come on, you know, like, (laughs) I know you're going to be like super alert and a little bit crazy and you're going to do weird things, but come on, you know, and that's sort of, I almost had to play with my anxiety in that way. And so, you know, I would get in the car and I'd sort of look over into my passenger seat and be like, where are you at? Hey, hey, we're going Mm -hmm. to the grocery store, you know? (laughs) Um, I love the name. And and this conversation is just so on point. Michelle, I love what you said. It's a relation relational problem relationship yeah really it's a relate we should um start doing relationship therapy really that's what we should be starting to teach here like the basic concepts of relationship therapy right because your alarm's communicating with you and you're trying to communicate back to your alarm but you're not kind of speaking the same language and it's kind of learning how to get along with this feeling better not get rid of the feeling and the way you look at it the feeling right take hey hey or imagine that your anxious mind is like your bodyguard on steroids yeah. at the moment when you sensitize it's like on steroids and misfiring all the time because it want, your bodyguard wants to protect you is he's just let's say drunk or on steroids or had too many red bulls whatever and your bodyguard and your stress system are bffs so when he says oh my god there is danger your stress system, stress system will say oh my god yeah here's the energy and you mm-hmm. are the one who observes that and it's like, oh my God, they are after me. Like, and it's almost like you're running from your own bodyguard. Your bodyguard notices you're running and tries to catch you, to protect right. you. And well, he keeps giving you energy to run and you keep running because you keep getting energy. And all your bodyguard knows is, well, she keeps running. So I'm going to keep filling her with energy to run. And that was why, I don't know if you guys saw my, my cartoon I posted yesterday on a social media, but it was um, like your alarm senses danger and sends you energy. And then it will keep sending you energy as long as you stay involved in survival behaviors, not waiting for it to ride out, dubbing till it passes. That's the wrong approach. They're nice tools, but if you're used the wrong way, you will always be surviving through anxiety and coping through the train and getting through the highway. If If you stay in some version of fighting behaviors, fleeing behaviors, frozen behaviors or protecting behaviors. Okay. Your alarm will continue. So it might, we might have oversensitive alarm systems. They might ring at the wrong time more often than other people, but we absolutely have the the ability to determine like, is there a danger? I don't need to use the energy anymore. And so that determines how long it keeps pumping in us right? How long we keep sending this message of danger. And when I start, I have to, and remember it's an inverse relationship. I have to stop fighting in the midst of fear because I fight in the midst of danger. I fight, fight, fight. When I stop fighting danger, I'm usually at the height of fear. I slay the bear in the midst of fear. And then when the danger is over, 
is when I stop fighting. We've, we're doing it wrong because fear is showing up and we're treating fear as a bear. And fear is not a bear. Fear, it was never meant to be attended to. Fear is designed for us to attend to danger. We are not, we don't treat, we don't go at it the same way. That's why this requires doing. This requires being, noticing, gentle, observer, leave it alone. That's the reason why. Because this problem was never a problem. So we started treating it like a problem and now it's labeled as a threat. And yes, they should teach this in middle school. Jason, they should teach this in elementary school. And it is my mission to have it done. Yeah. My yeah. mission. Because yeah. it's and simple, right? Wouldn't it be nice to learn it than have to relearn it? Absolutely. And at a certain age, I find the older you are, the harder it is because there's so much to, to unlearn. But especially in those situations when you find it really hard maybe to to remember the dare steps or to trigger the dare steps, follow Jackie's advice. And I swear that this was the absolute game changer for me. I never sat, sat there and said, I accept and allow this anxious feeling, not once. For me, it was all about visualizations. Anxiety came up, knocked on my door. I imagined opening a door and saying, hey, come in, there you are, or giving it a hug even. And like anxiety wanted to get away from me, but I was hugging it so hard. I was like, oh, I'm so happy you're here and you have to stay. Or I'm going out to dinner and you have to come. Since you don't want to leave me, you have no choice. You have to be with me. Right? Demanding it, running towards it. But with visualizations, that is super, super powerful because you don't have to think your way into the attitude. Right? Your visualization represents the attitude and everything mm -hmm. that we teach, no matter how you approach this, the goal is always that you have a change in attitude and that can happen in a split second. I remember once I had this very intense panic attack out of the blue on a day where I didn't even feel sensitized. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And in that, the panic attack was still kind of like brewing. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to change this. And I started to get excited and it changed in a matter of, I don't know, a few seconds. Mm -hmm. It felt totally different. And I'm just pointing this out because I, I wanted to tell you that you, that change in attitude is, is really something that, that happens in here. And all the words and the visualizations are means to help you flip that switch. But yeah. that is what it is about. And, and running towards creates that shift. Letting go, as Michelle says, allowing your body to become spaghetti, it um, creates that shift. Visualizations, no matter if you hop on a surfboard, take your anxiety along with you, whatever you do, it's all about changing your attitude from fight to bring it on. I'm not afraid. Even if I have to pretend in the beginning. Right. right. And so even just how do I do this with DP? The same way. And these right. are not same steps oh, yeah. I need to, okay, Jackie said do this, I just said do this, I just said tea, I drank so much tea, invited to tea. They're not practical steps that create an attitude. It's a shift in an attitude. And all the things that we use as examples, including the steps of dare, are just how we describe that attitude. And so you don't work it from the steps to the attitude. You harness the attitude and then that's just kind of how you, and I always say that's like how you describe the forgetting process. Oh, you forgot that? You forgot that? How did you forget about it? Like, how did you forget? Like you were involved somehow. Well, oh, I just forgot. Well, what did you do? Oh, I left it alone. I let time pass and eventually it, was, it wasn't very important. And so if somebody's taking those as steps, as action plans, as check marks to say, okay, leave it alone. Leave it alone, leave it alone. It's okay, it's not important. And then I wake up every morning and I check to see if it worked and I didn't forget about it yet. I say, oh shoot, okay, I'm doing something wrong. How long does it take? How long did it take you to forget about that? Uh, oh, a couple months. Okay, I mark my calendar three months from now. And if I keep doing these steps, I'm gonna check in to see. And if, guys, if you're doing it like that, you're probably super frustrated and stuck and concerned that it's not working. And it's because it's the, it's the wrong attitude to take for this. Do you guys see that? Or did you used to be stuck like that? And now you get it because if it's, if it's, if you're still going at it as got to do all these things and check to see if it worked, that's the most common phone call I get. I'm doing all this. I feel stuff, like you probably working. had coaching calls with me like that early on because <laughs> everybody yeah, kind of says the same everybody. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was using dare as a weapon, not a tool. Mm-hmm. 
you know, as like, I'm attacking my anxiety. Right. With well, most people you know? are, you know, yeah, yeah. because that's our MO. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And so you will slip. Sorry, Michelle, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go. I just said sometimes and what, not sometimes actually very often. And guys, if you have experienced that, um, post it in the chat. People have a major breakthrough. It's usually in the beginning after reading the book several times or after joining groups or whatever. That first moment we're like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I finally understand what this is. And like, oh, I got it. I, I know what to do. And then you have maybe a couple of days or weeks where you, where you feel more normal and everything makes sense and everything is clear. And then all of a sudden the clouds start together. Everything becomes really dark and you're like, oh my God, it is back. I have a setback. <laughs> who experiences that setback so setbacks are when you slip back into your old pattern in your old toxic relationship pattern like Michelle said where instead of befriending the anxiety right. you you're start back to, to throwing fear. dishes at each other yeah exactly exactly and you start to fear it again it this really translates into I'm fearing my own body and my own mind that is what setbacks are nothing more nothing less yeah. setbacks can start can be triggered with maybe exhaustion right so you're exhausted or you have a lot of stress and then you maybe have a sleepless night or you have a panic attack or a tingling sensation or whatever it starts with that but then your response to that and fear shows up again so you just slip back into old patterns but setbacks are to be treated the exact same way. You just change your relationship back to one of, I'm not afraid of you and you can be here. Right? And this is how you move through each setback and each setback. And I know it sounds silly because when you're, you're not in a setback, it's so easy to say that, but when you're in it, it feels like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. So I just wrote that as you were saying yeah. that. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm letter, almost word for word, I think. Yeah. It's so <laughs> counterintuitive, right? Yeah. Because you're in the high and your body and your mind are saying, danger, danger, you're going to die. Like it is, I know how overwhelming it is. Um, but let, let me give an example to this. So I had we could label it a setback. I'm not labeling it that way. I'm labeling it as a opportunity to see where I still have growing edges, but it happened three <laughs> weeks ago after vacation. I had, you know, I was tired. I had pushed out. I literally came face to face with a bear, Michelle. I mean, I, <laughs> they came up to my window and looked through it. Okay. So, so there was a bear. Um, so there is a bear after all, Michelle. <laughs> Turns out there are bears <laughs> out there. Like to us. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. I had, I had, I was sensitized. Right. And so we're driving back from vacation and I had every sensation of the worst panic attack I've ever had in my life. Right. Like I had the dizziness and the DP and the blurry vision and my hands tingled and I thought I couldn't breathe. And I thought I was going to die. Right. Like I had that, that wave. It was intense. It was strong. And I didn't in the moment, I could not access D diffuse a allow right like I couldn't access it in the moment but what I could do, do is go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because even with just instead of like this which is in my hands my hands always are doing something really wild my husband like makes fun of me he's like <laughs> but um because they get really rigid and so even though my body was doing all of that, and I knew cognitively, I can't access dare right now because I'm too afraid, I'm too afraid, but I'm gonna have to show it that this is anxiety and that I am not in danger. <laughs> like that I, is accessing dare. That's all yeah, right. the whole point of those steps where if you forget the steps, it's the mindset, like it's in the, it's D-A-R-E. It means gone, dare you. Yeah, right? and That's I have to say- that word. And in my mind, my posture of changing that posture also involves that run towards step of saying, do it. Mm -hmm. I dare you like mm -hmm. do your very worst right now. I think I'm going to pass out and die. Well, let's just get it over with because mm -hmm. I'm really sick of this ruining my life. I'm sick of not being able to go on vacation or drive in my car or whatever the thing is, but I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't run from you anymore. So just freaking do it. Like mm -hmm. let's, I, I and that's why that like panic attack um, audio on the dare app is so good. Cause it's like, I give you 21 seconds, right? Yep. Like I'm going to sit here with you and let's just do it. And that's part of that posture that it's not just like I allow and accept, but it's, it's a little more, um, 
chest edgy. out, shoulders yeah. back. I can sit yeah, off like, like this and be scared. It's like surrender. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and so even if I can't get the words right, I've practiced that so many times that in that moment, I was able to just say, okay. And, um, and I showed it and within a minute, the wave had crested and it passed. And then I said, okay, I've got an important story to tell right now. Not about what just happened, not about what I felt, Mm -hmm. but about what's going to happen next. And so the story I told myself was, I'm probably going to have waves because those were some big, like (laughs) things that came through my body, right? Like I know they were just anxiety, but they were big and scary. Ooh, but, um, I am my own safe person. (laughs) I had a amazing vacation where I pushed out in ways that I hadn't done in years. I rode a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. I, and I like amplified other parts of my story mm-hmm. and I de-emphasized what had just happened. Even though it felt like the scariest thing in the moment, I was able to say, yeah, I felt really uncomfortable for about two minutes. Mm. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, and, and I know that sounds ridiculous because it's like, but, but you didn't feel it. It was so bad. But then I thought, and when I look back on my vacation, I said, I am not going to reframe my entire vacation through the lens of those, those Mm -hmm. two minutes. Yep. And that's where the CBT stuff comes in. Somebody talked about CBT in the chat. I just wanted to mention that too. It's like, if you're going to use some version of cognitive behavioral therapy, use it for the story you tell about the situation where it's like, they're all different lenses to see things through. And we tend to take, oh yeah, I had a two week vacation. That was fine. Pretty good but I had this 10 minute panic attack. And I'm going to tell you about this 10 minute panic attack for 25 minutes in exquisite detail and cue the violins and the smoke machine and da, da, da. And I'm going to suck you into this 10 minute experience and wash out those two weeks. Eh, It was fine, but, and that's why it's important. Watch your butts, pay attention to your butts because what comes before the butts is unimportant. And what comes after the butt is where you shine your light. And so it's all about what I focus on, the storytelling, like what minimization, the black and white thinking. That's where, that's how we tell our story about the experience. It's not about replace this bad thought and put in a good thought. Not that, that doesn't work, but it works great for storytelling. And Mm -hmm. so like Jackie, like you were saying, like, Okay. So now what, what's my story about the situation? Wow. I'm a badass. Look at me. Oh, and all that. I had one little panic attack for 10 minutes. Ooh, that was a big one, but look how unimportant it was high discomfort, but low importance because I'm still driving, still eating my snacks. I'm still looking out the window. And so like the story you tell is where you get to play around. Mm-hmm. What do you tell if you if you didn't have if, if you hadn't experienced a panic attack, but let's say you had you had a migraine on your vacation or and that ruined your day because you had to stay in bed the whole day because of your migraine or you had a, a cold, a head cold. You wouldn't put that this at the center of, of, of your attention and conversations. Right. But it is at least as it, 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 the discomfort you feel during a migraine. I would say, like, if you ever, if you ever had migraine, that is far worse than having a panic attack. Like if you have that for, for hours and hours, but you don't think about, oh my God, I have migraine. And that now means that. And my well, God. some people, well, some people. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but pay you- attention too. If that's your MO, if you're used to like, here's the one shitty thing that went wrong and I'm going to spend the whole time. If only. If only this wasn't there, because we tend to, if you tend to do it with anxiety, we, we also do tend to do it with other things too. Like if only this dinner was, was better, if it came on time, then the night would have been good. Or we could complain about the weather and what about this? And, and so pay attention to that. Cause a lot of times it's not always just associated with anxiety. It just becomes habituated patterns and responses on how I treat everything I don't like. And so it doesn't need a whole lot of involvement. I can just not like it, give it a nod to its place that it was there and kind of view it in fairness. Like, but I also had this whole vacation and 99.5% of it was freaking awesome. So 99.5% of my explanation to somebody about my vacation is going to be about that. 
And maybe I might mention the point five of it was, oh yeah, I also had this panic attack on the car ride home, but oh but, gosh, what a beautiful hotel. Yeah, but nobody does that because it's interesting. Everything you say is, is perfect, Michelle. What, what I meant, and sorry, maybe I wasn't clear, but when people speak about their panic attacks, they do so because they fear future panic attacks. Right, right. Mm -hmm. This is why they mention them because it was a panic attack. I mean, a panic attack or intrusive thoughts, right? That is uncomfortable, same as a migraine or a head cold, but we do not fear migraines and head colds. Right, we, right, we are right. not afraid of, oh my God, will I get diarrhea again? Oh my God, and let me talk about this all the time. We don't do that, but we, it's almost like we label a panic attack as something dangerous. And I always tell this to my clients, if you label anything, any sensation as uncomfortable, your brain's going to go like, mm, okay, I don't like it. Is there something we can do about it? No. Well, then suck it up. If you label something as dangerous, your brain won't leave it alone. It's going to be like, what? Danger? Okay, come on, BFF, fire some adrenaline, and let's get this shit under control. <laughs> it's a complete different story. And you must treat, you must normalize panic attacks and anxiety to the level of a head cold right. or a headache. Right. Because you're mushing, you're mushing the two sides, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. keep danger as danger and keep discomfort as discomfort. Cause now it's getting all muddy. It's like, well, she's it's discomfort, but she's treating it like danger. So start treating discomfort as discomfort and start and keep treating danger as danger. Don't ever change that part. That part always right. goes. Right. Yeah. I did run from the bear. I closed the blinds. See? And Good job. Away. Good job. Yeah. You didn't like, I accepted a lie, you bear. <laughs> Don't do that. There's not for danger. <laughs> So Jackie, I know it's getting um, into the late into the call, but can you talk more about like spirituality and questions you get a lot and common things that come yeah. up and where people have gotten stuck with maybe well-intended people that kind of served a opposite reaction? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this before the call and there are like a couple of points I want to highlight. So one of the questions I get are people that are like really afraid. Uh, it's these existential questions, right? About like the nature of the universe and God's existence and what happens after death, right? These like big, big questions that are out here. And, you know, I think it can be really meaningful to uh, be a part of a faith community that's exploring those questions together. The, the challenge is we, we anxiety sufferers do not like mystery, right? Like we cannot, <laughs> we like control. We like predictability. We like certainty mm -hmm. and faith uh, isn't really about that, <laughs> um, you know? And so I think that anxiety latches on to the things you care about, right? Your health, your children, your religion, right? Like your relationship with the divine anxiety is going to latch onto things that you care about and spiritual anxiety is no different. Sometimes people attach a different level of significance to it. Like, like, oh my gosh, maybe because I um, am scared about the, does God exist? Is what happens after death? Like that, that maybe that is more serious, you know, or like it's more dangerous or maybe I'm going to be punished for that. Or, but if you, if you really break it down, it's just our anxiety doing the same thing just with the divine. Right. And so it's not that it spiritual anxiety is somehow worse. I get people that feel that way. Um, that, and then the other thing I get is guilt and shame. Like, mm -hmm. like if I believed enough or if I was faithful enough, then oh, I would so not so much who, who in the chat would say that. And who maybe was told that, like, maybe you need to pray harder, or if you could just you know, you, if you were a little more faithful, anxiety is like a punishment for not being faithful. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much a part of my own religious story. It's like, I, you know, kind of grew up in a tradition where that was the message and, um, you know, for a, for a, I think, again, I told you, I started with anxiety maybe when I was 10 or 11. Um, and I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And so my earliest messages from my religious community were clouded in shame because, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just pray about it. Right. Like if you just pray about it, yeah. well, let me just tell you as someone who is a professional prayer, <laughs> it's that, an org. that if that could solve it, right. The thing is, um, 
I have grown now this is I will say this is my own personal journey and perspective here right and so I don't I can't claim that this is true but I think it is I hope it is the opposite of fear is not certainty the opposite of fear is love and I know that like in dare, we're talking about this posture of surrender and allowance and acceptance. But for me, what makes that possible is the knowledge that I am loved, that I am held, that I am safe and that that love. So I'm not attacking my anxiety from a position of like guilt or shame or resistance. Like I am sitting here going, I am loved. I am held. Um, and and adding that layer of compassion and care, and for me, attributing that to, to God um, has given me a sense of presence uh, during this whole anxiety journey. You know, not that God is like standing over me being like, you need to pray harder, or you need to believe more, or, you need to have more certainty, but it's more like this companionship that God is saying, like, you're not in this alone. And 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 God is like care, love, you know, whatever you call that, right? People have lots of different names for it. Um, and I, I found that in the D.A.R.E. book, you know, that, that Barry, when he talks about uh, our posture of allowance and acceptance, that it comes through an awareness of love and compassion and this benevolent, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, force in our world that is, that is working alongside of us and, and accompanying us. And that's where my spirituality strengthens my connection to the dare process. If there's guilt or shame, that to me is the same thing as resistance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is just knowledge that my anxiety is trying a new trick, right? And that's not the posture. Again, the posture is surrender, love, and then um, a, a willingness to have mystery in our lives. And I think that's essential for, for faith is, an, is a willingness to not have all the answers. Um, and so that's been a big part of my, of my own journey. It's, it's curiosity and wonder and companionship and love. And if it comes down as fear-based guilt or shame, then that's not God. <laughs> yeah. You know what I find so interesting, Jackie, because you said, you know, the shame part or, or that notion that, oh, you didn't pray enough for you you didn't believe strongly enough and therefore you got the anxiety as a punishment but does that not also implicate that if you were a real strong believer and close to god or whatever that you are entitled to perfect health and happiness and i think that in itself right it doesn't make sense because just because we cannot add up to our worth no matter what you do not even pray so having anxiety or depression or going through hardship is, is part of human experience. And if you look at it from the, that lens, like we all demand to be perfectly healthy and well, and we take it for granted that we are existentially safe and that we have great relationships and that people treat us well. And no, right? that, that is not the whole human experience happiness and, and unhappiness and hardship and enjoy all these things that they come together and I know that sounds so you know we've heard that a couple of times but it is so true still and if and this is all what what dare is about also right because the phrase goes the only way out is through not the only way out is around <laughs> <laughs> the only way out is through and that ultimately means that you grow into accepting that you are a vulnerable human being that that is um, that can take pain that can suffer but that at the same time has all the tools and is able to to navigate through that and and that is also the reason why people I have never met somebody who who went through anxiety came out on the other side and said I'm a weaker person for this <laughs> nobody ever everybody grows everybody grows in why because through the hardship, we grow mm -hmm. through hardship, not through easy times. Yeah, yeah, and making meaning out of this experience, like I think that that's been a real source of me regaining my sense of power and confidence is to like make meaning out of this and to say, you know, 
instead of saying, I can't believe anxiety happened to me mm-hmm. saying like this happened for me, you know, and, and who I am as a person now, um, who I am as a wife and as a pastor and as a friend and as a dare participant, as just a person in this world, like I feel like I have so much more depth in my ability to feel a variety of things. Sure. Anxiety is part of it, but, but joy and uh, connection, right? Like all of this has been such an essential part of my journey. And um, as much as I have not enjoyed the feelings that accompany anxiety, I do look back now and I'm in the making meaning stage of recovering, I think, where I'm saying, you know, I am so much more connected and empathetic and wise now than I was two years ago. Um, And I have felt companionship throughout this process from from you two and from all of the, the D.A.R.E. community. Um, I have built friendships that will last a lifetime (laughs) and I've been able to be authentic and vulnerable and real and, um, and it's just been such a gift. And so, you know, does that erase the years of suffering? No, but that's just part of it, right? It's a way of like making meaning. Um, and, and that has been really healing for me. We always say you. Anxiety makes you fall deeper into life. Or at least I said that. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I said that. <laughs> and you know, when it comes down to it, faith, faith only lives in uncertainty. Hmm. Or there would be no religion because nobody knows, right? So that's where faith and trust, uncertainty, this is the stuff we get stuck in. And it all comes into us trying to control what is. We're looking, you don't find certainty in religion. You find belief, you find faith. And so whatever you believe, we're not here talking about actual religion or pushing a religion or anything like that. But it's just, if I know people have gotten a very different feedback from people in different spiritual communities, which did not serve them well, like, oh, there's, you should not have thoughts like this. And the thoughts are sinful and trying desperately to get rid of thoughts from their head, or it was all meaningful when really thoughts are thoughts. And it's kind of like, you know, the way you worded it was just so, it was just so perfect. Like what it all really is. Yeah. I think that was a great, great last sentence to wrap this up. Let's end on, on the love note. (laughs) Um, So yeah, um, for me, I I feel after anxiety, I felt deeper into life in, in, in a weird way, in a good way. I fell deeper into misery, but deeper into glory and deeper into faith and deeper into everything. Life became just, it has more depth and I have learned to enjoy, and that sounds even more weird. I have learned to enjoy pain, not in the way like I'm looking for pain, let me go and find it. But if it, if it comes my way, then okay, right. Pain is here and that is, that is okay. And that I find that extremely helpful in not rejecting and, and, and fighting negative feelings and all sorts of negative negative feelings and situations. So um, I think that's a great, great ending note that anxiety in the end, although it makes us feel so isolated in the very beginning, at the end of our journey, we find ourselves more and deeper connected with ourselves and with our environment. Yeah. And I think it's because after this, you learn how to be more here and sometimes pain is here and sometimes joy is here. But when you're a hundred percent here rather than back there and what if over there, the more you stay here, the more you, everything's richer because you're fully immersed here. We tend to kind of split our heads between back there. What if they're kind of here fighting a bunch of stuff here when you're just open to being here right? You, you fully feel pain, but then you, as pain moves to something else, then you fully feel joy rather than clinging to things or desperation, trying to get rid of things. And I think it, it, it makes you, you have when you, when you're through the other side of anxiety, it's because you become more here. And I think just being here is really like, like the key to. I hate you because you just said this in much more beautiful way than I did. <laughs> what I wanted to say, you guys. <laughs> Be more here. <laughs> 
before you don't you appreciate it how emotional i can get and michelle's like ah, da, 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 da. right got it <laughs> love that michelle should have a cooking show well you obviously have never come here for dinner jason but i'll whip you up some chicken nuggets if you want <laughs> Well, Jackie, it looks like you're in high demand to come back again. So yep. I hope you enjoy I'm this too. because you'll probably be back soon. Um, we can talk more about all of this and anxiety and all the questions. Again, so we've been trying to pop back on, answer some of the questions that don't get answered in the Q&A. We'll try and pop on the um, Dare Instagram and answer a few here and there. Um, but until then, um, we will see you on the next webinar. And this will be posted on our app. Um, be sure to take a look at it. It should be um, uploaded on our app within the next day or so. Um, just click on the button on the front page and it should take you to the recording. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jackie, for taking Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. Me. Hello, everybody. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the D.A.R.E. podcast. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.